The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of New York Presbyterian Hospital or Columbia University Irving Medical Center. You're listening to Taking It to Heart with the Columbia Valve Team, a podcast where we discuss the advancements in treatments for patients with structural heart and valve disease. Okay, welcome everyone to another edition of Taking It to Heart. I'm Isaac George. We're here at the Columbia Structural Heart and Valve Center. We have the luxury and pleasure of welcoming three experts in the field of structural heart disease. Um, today, we're gonna to be talking specifically about left atrial appendage closure. Um, we have Dr. Robert Summer, we have Dr. Torsten Vall, we have Dr. Vivian Eng, who all do uh, not only structural valve heart procedures, but uh, specifically Watchman and left atrial appendage closure uh, procedures on all of our patients. Um, it's a huge field. It's uh, making a lot of money for us and for other companies. Um, and it's been growing pretty rapidly. So, you know, I think this is one of the things that, that we're pretty uninformed about. These have stayed in different realms and it's not always the realm of the structuralist. Uh, so this kind of goes between EP, this goes between structural heart, this goes between adult congenital. And so the, the transfer of patients has been uh, a little bit different and maybe we can talk about that. Um, but I first just wanna start by, um, uh, by maybe asking a couple of questions to, to maybe uh, Dr. Summer. So right now, the, the state of the field, what, tell me about the state of the field. What devices do we have and what is the current indication for getting a watchman or a left atrial appendage procedure? All right, Isaac, thanks so much for the introduction. You know, the Watchman device and left atrial appendage closure as a procedure are basically designed for patients who have a rhythm problem called atrial fibrillation, uh, which affects a vast number of people uh, over 65 years of age. And the problem with atrial fibrillation is that those patients are at varying risks of developing strokes related to blood clots forming in the left side of the heart. And so for, for decades now, we've been treating these patients with blood thinning medicine, formerly a medicine called Coumadin, and more recently uh, medications that are called DOAX, like Eliquis and Xeralto and Pradaxa, uh, to keep the patients from making clots and keeping them safe from stroke. But since not all patients can take those medications, a procedure called left atrial appendage closure has been developed, which allows us to close off with a fancy plug, the part of the heart where all the clots form, which is called the left atrial appendage. And once that's closed off, since over 90% of the clots in AFib patients start there, uh, we've shown that the Watchman procedure can be a replacement and be even more effective potentially than blood thinners have been in the past. So, 
you know, in terms of in terms of indications, then it's it's for patients that the current FDA indication is for patients that have intolerance or at high risk for complications with anticoagulation. Is that correct? Yes, that is that is correct, Isaac. And and essentially, um, another another reason sometimes uh, that that patients can can get it uh, for is is just lifestyle uh, related or 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 job related reasons where where they're just at high risk to take to take blood thinners for injury reasons and so forth. But um, you know, that sounds like a basically an open label. Well, it's not it's it's not an open label. Uh, not not too many people have jobs. Uh, I mean, you I guess have one. You're always at risk of cutting yourself. But uh, <laughs> um, you know. Most, most of us in the interventional world are pretty safe, for instance. Uh, as um, long as I stay away from you, I'm at less risk, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but for real, so in terms, of, in terms of how you document this, then you see a patient in your office and you have to have some objective evidence or they have to have a bleeding episode or do you just have to verify by your own, you know, by your own notations that they are at high risk and that's sufficient? No, the, the patients are evaluated by more than one uh, uh, provider. So there's typically either a GI doctor uh, that refers the patient and has documented that the patient had GI bleeding, or there's a neurologist that refers the patient because the patient had an intracranial bleed and so forth. Or there's a general cardiologist that sees the patient that refers them to us. So it's not just the proceduralist that makes that decision, but it's similar to other structural procedure um, uh, a team of, of healthcare providers that, that documents that the patient is at elevated risk for bleeding or has had, in fact, uh, prior bleeding that puts them Got at it. risk for long-term uh, oral anticoagulation. So, so effectiveness, maybe we can talk about the data that's out there. Is this effective and how effective is it? Oh, Vivian. <laughs> so um, there have been long-term data at this point looking to see how effective is the Watchman device. And so the patient populations that have been included in those studies are patients who are at high risk of bleeding um, or who have failed um, anticoagulation previously. And so there were um, two large trials. One was the Prevail and one was Protect AF. And they actually have long-term data, five-year data, combining these uh, two trials and looking at the effectiveness of the Watchman device compared to patients who received anticoagulation. And what they found was that patients who received the Watchman device had the same type of stroke um, reduction benefits as people who were on the oral anticoagulation. But the real benefit of getting the Watchman device was that they had decreased risk of bleeding. Okay, so they had the decreased risk of bleeding complications, the, the, hem the brain hemorrhages, um, GI complicated, GI bleeds, things like that. And more you know, importantly, it, sorry, to, Isaac, didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, go ahead. more importantly, you know, th while the data was very compelling in terms of stroke reduction and bleeding reduction, even more importantly, there was a 40% reduction in mortality in the patients who got the watchman compared to those that stayed on the blood thinners, presumably because if you don't stroke as much and you don't bleed as much, you live longer. Wow, so 40% at five years, that's, 
pretty remarkable. Right. I didn't realize it was that high. And it's a I mean, all of the data suggests when you come off anticoagulation, you live longer, but I didn't realize 40%. Right. And in the in those trials, it was a 60% cardiovascular mortality reduction. So, you know, these are big numbers, which is what got the FDA to approve this so easily. Hmm. So, Torsten, are, you know, we see a lot of patients who get TAVR who have atrial fibrillation and, um, and they get their TAVR and they go their merry way. Is that, is that your sense right now that we're, we're very under treat with the, the level of under treatment is very prevalent? Are we, are, are we not getting the word out? Is this education uh, not been sufficient? If even our own surgical director of the valve <laughs> doesn't know much about the watchman, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, the the we we've tried to address that question um, in in the watch tower study, which were one of the sites enrolling in in, in this trial um, to basically offer potentially um, simultaneous um, uh, left atrial appendage closure at the time. Of tavern, as you know, the data is still being collected and, and analyzed now. But sort of in our day-to-day -day practice, we 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 try to highlight it um, with the very elderly. Uh, as you as you know, I mean, not every not every tavern patient right now is um, is high risk anymore. But certainly the high risk cohort and the very elderly cohort, we um, we discuss with them at the time of the aortic stenosis consults, if they are in atrial fibrillation and they've had trouble before taking oral anticoagulation or if they seem to be very high risk for bleeding, then we discuss these options with them. And it, it, it sort of, I think the uptake is, is, is a little bit mixed. Some, some elderly patients- Mixed because it ends up being two procedures that they have to come back for essentially. Exactly, exactly. Uh, many of them say, if you can do it all at once, please do it. But, but there is some hesitancy sometimes to come back for, for a second procedure. Will we get reimbursement approval for two procedures if watch TAVR is positive? That is the idea. But uh, right now, uh, obviously, we don't have that. And that's why we can't really offer it as a simultaneous procedure. Can, um, can someone walk me through uh, a watchman from pre-planning uh, to procedural to post, um, including medications? Go ahead, Viv, your turn. Sure. So, um, you know, as Torsten mentioned, this is multidisciplinary. So we obviously talk with the patients, other cardiologists, um, neurologists, gastroenterologists, as to the reason as to why the patient, um, they're, you know, thinking that the patient would benefit from a Watchman procedure. We then see them in the office um, and we discuss the procedure with them and we try and do a CAT scan the same day um, as our clinic visit with them. The reason for the CAT scan is in order to check for the sizing and the shape of the left atrial appendage because our Watchman devices only come in certain uh, sizes. So we wanna make sure that the patient is eligible um, for the Watchman um, procedure. Um, after that, I mean, it's pretty seamless. Um, after they get the CTA, and if we think that they are appropriate, then in a few weeks, we're actually able to do the procedure. Um, they come in, we, the patient is put um, under general anesthesia for most of these cases, and they get a transesophageal echo intraprocedurally. 
Um, there's no cutting involved. It's basically like putting a large IV into um, the femoral vein. Um, and we do have to do a transeptal puncture during the procedure in order to get over to that side of the heart um, in order to place the watchman. After the watchman is um, how large, implanted, how the large patient- of a, How large of a device is it? How many French? Uh, Torsten, remind me the, the French size four, of the- It's a 14, um, it's a 14 French uh, system. So pretty small, yep. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> sorry? No, pretty small relative to what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, the patient, you know, we wake them up, they're extubated, um, and they stay overnight for monitoring. They get an echo the next day, and then they're able to get discharged um, the next day. As far as medications afterwards, that's really patient um, dependent. Some of these patients are, if the patient's able to tolerate anticoagulation, we do prefer for them to be on anticoagulation for 45 days afterwards until they can get follow-up imaging of their Watchman device. But a lot of these patients that are being referred to us, they can't tolerate anticoagulation, right? They've already had some type of bleeding event. So we then discuss with their gastroenterologist, their neurologist, their cardiologist as to whether or not the um, patient can be on either dual antiplatelet therapy, on aspirin, or you know sometimes even nothing alone. Um, and so that's again where we come back to the the patient's care team in order to decide that. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, <clears throat> so what's the future for for Watchmen? What what can we look out for? New devices. We keep saying Watchmen, but that's a proprietary name. Um, there must be other companies that are jumping on this bandwagon or see this opportunity growing. Do we do we have any sense of what the future holds or and as and or upcoming trials? The future is actually very exciting here because you know this is one of those rare spaces where we have proof of concept before we have a lot of competition in the space. So the Watchman device um, has been around for now probably 15 years uh, in one form or another, um, but there are multiple other companies that are getting into the process. Uh, the uh, Abbott has a device called the Amulet device, which has completed an international randomized trial versus Watchman. And that data is due out later this year and everybody's expecting uh, that that will be approved in 2021. Um, there are other companies. Uh, we're doing some research with a group called Conformal, uh, which makes a spongy kind of a Watchman cl uh, appendage closure device, uh, which is very interesting and very different than the Watchman. And so I think everybody's trying to build the best mousetrap now that the concept has been proven. But I think maybe even more exciting than the new devices is the fact that there is about to be a trial called the CHAMPION trial, which is going to look at the efficacy of a Watchman closure as a primary therapy for patients with atrial fibrillation rather than either being on blood thinners or even starting blood thinners. And that's gonna be, that's starting in the next few weeks here at Columbia and at hospitals all over the world. There's gonna be 3000 patients in that trial and it's gonna be a one-to-one -one randomization for patients who could potentially take blood thinners but would prefer to get the Watchman device um, as an alternative. 
So not so it's not a therapy for atrial fibrillation. It's a preventative therapy. It's not changing your atrial fibrillation. Yeah, that's a really um, just a, just a, it's a really important point. I'm sorry if I misspoke. You know, the atrial fibrillation persists, but the two risks of atrial fibrillation typically are patients can develop heart failure if their rhythm is too fast, and that we can manage medically. Uh, and then the other risk is stroke. And the whole purpose of the Watchman device is as an alternative to blood thinners. It does not change the atrial fibrillation. Any, um, any idea how uh, your levels of uh, neurohormones or hormones that are uh, dependent on uh, the atrial appendage uh, secretion location are affected by something like an endocardial Watchman device or are they not? And how long does it take for a watchman to endothelialize and be fully occlusive? Anyone? That's a, that's a good question, Isaac. I, I'm actually not aware of any, any um, good data um, showing any major changes in, in um, neurohormonal levels uh, after LAA uh, closure. With respect to the endothelialization, it, it sort of depends. There are case reports of of uh, imaging uh, in patients that underwent left atrial appendage closure that sometimes um, have delayed end endothelialization, meaning it's still being not fully endothelialized at, at um, one year. It appears that the new device that is now also being tested in the uh, Champion AF uh, trial, the Watchman Flex device, because it has more contact points, um, uh, has, has experiences a more rapid closure of the left atrial appendage with also uh, fewer peri-device peri leaks. And um, just empirically uh, looking at our CT follow-up uh, uh, data, it seems that at 45 days, which is when most of our patients are coming back, we, we see um, uh, complete uh, closure in a, in a high rate of the patients now. Uh, it, 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 it's obviously higher than uh, even with the previous generation device. But it's a pretty exciting, you know, in the cath lab sometimes, you know, when we get a good seal of the appendage, we can see thrombus start to form inside the appendage immediately after implantation of the device. So, you know, it, it can create quite a good seal almost immediately, but the endothelialization typically takes a few months. Well, Amazing, you guys. So last, uh, last thoughts, any exciting work you wanna highlight that you all personally are doing on, um, on the field that you wanna let everyone know about and, and any last closing comments or um, statements? Well, Bob had, had spoken a little bit about, you know, very obviously um, in a very understated way of his involvement in, in, in the first in human trials with the conformal device um, uh, here, at, here at Columbia. And we're, of course, all very excited to get started with the um, Champion AF trial uh, since one of the arguments sort of of uh, um, cardiologists that have their doubts on uh, either the efficacy or, or yeah, uh, the I would say the the yeah complete efficacy of of LEA closure compared to oral anticoagulation was always that the initial studies were just 
um, done with Coumadin as the comparator. And, and obviously, some, there's some reduction in the bleeding events with, with NOACs. And so we're very excited now final, no, finally to have this study that will actually compare left atrial appendage closure to oral anticoagulation with a NOAC. I see that uh, Marty Leon is the study chair. So I guess that leadership position was, uh, was not lost and uh, remains within the Columbia system. So that's good to hear. Well, we think um, he's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> so it's not just valves, it's, it's appendages too, right? So, um, well, this is exciting. Um, anything else, you guys? This is, I, I'm, I have to say the one thing I'm struck by was the, um, the, the level of mortality, uh, you know, improvement. I, I didn't really quite know that that was so, so impressive. So, um, I do think you guys have to get this message out. I think it's really under um, underreported, and I think um, uh, the community does not know this. Um, I think the the challenges are still pretty significant. Telling older patients that they have to come back for multiple procedures, and if there's a way that you can do this on um, uh, on patients within the the structure of other kind of procedures that they're getting for structural heart, I think you would see really a, a rapid explosion, but. So um, just two, is... two last comments, Isaac, if, you, if I may. You know, I think one of the things we haven't discussed really at all is the safety of this procedure. In the most recent pivotal trial of the Watchman Flex, the overall complication rate was half a percent, right? So it's a very safe and very straightforward procedure. And even though the patients tend to be older, frailer and have multiple other comorbidities, you know, this is a remarkably safe procedure. And so I just, you know, I think that's one of the most important things that we have to get out there. Certainly compared to the ongoing risk of bleeding, this is really an, a nice choice. Well, thank you all for being here. Here, this is uh, this is really a wonderful group and uh, uh, very talented. And I'm uh, I'm glad you were able to 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 talk about this today. Um, we will see you all on the next episode. And thank you very much. <laughs>